Let's talk about basic cell leadership. Isaiah 6 verse 8, the scripture says, or Isaiah says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Okay, another point with your notes. I've given you outlines, but I want to encourage you to make your own notes as well. I deliberately, having given you the scripture references that I've used and having given you other stuff, because I want you to listen and then as you hear, you make notes, okay? So, the Lord asks the question, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Cell leadership or leadership in general, as most of us are aware, is the ability to influence others. So, by that definition, all of us are in some form or another in leadership because all of us, one way or another, influence people. Um, you influence people, people influence you, and that's the reality of life. However, the call to leading a cell or a small group of people is something that I am convinced is within the reach of every person because of that definition. There is always going to be somebody in your church or in your family or amongst your friends that are less equipped in the things of God than you are. Because by definition, as you come into the faith, You've come into the faith because of an experience you've had with the Lord, because of something that's happened to you, and somebody else is yet to come into that level that you are at. So cell leadership is within the reach of everyone because most of us, when we become born again, automatically start influencing others because of our faith. To lead a cell, in my opinion, and honestly by observation is really believers who are pursuing Christ and who by pursuing him are expressing the demands of discipleship. Cell leadership is really believers who seek to influence others as disciples of our Lord Jesus. It is a believer committed to being the kind of Christian that builds up the body of Christ. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, the scripture tells us about the fivefold ministry. It says he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he says to equip God's people for works of service. So the job of the fivefold is to equip God's people so that God's people do the work of the ministry. And anybody who leads a small group or a cell group, as we call them, in our church, is really seeking to express what God has put in them through the ministry of the fivefold in some form or another. So believers willing to step up and help others develop in their faith is really what being a cell leader is all about. So we talk about what being an effective leader is. And in your notes, I outline five key things, what it does not depend on. Number one, it does not depend on incredible natural ability. Because if it did, I wouldn't have led a group. You know, within the grace of God, whatever you think you see in me today, that is not what I was 
20, 24 years ago, 25 years ago at all. You know, and like I said earlier on, before some of you came, for me, leading small groups through cell ministry has been a fundamental element in my development as a believer of Christ and as a leader within the body of Christ. So it does not depend on incredible natural ability. I've seen many with incredible natural ability who have flunked it when it came to leading a cell. And there's a reason for that. Neither does it depend on great Bible knowledge. Great Bible knowledge. Leading a small group effectively does not depend on your Bible knowledge. As shocking as that might be, and I'm talking about a cell group within the context of obeying the Great Commission, it does not depend on your Bible knowledge or great Bible knowledge. You should have some knowledge, but to think that you need a lot of knowledge to be effective is a myth. Again, by observation over the years, I have seen that some of the people who have really had cell groups that have flourished, some of them have even been that gifted in the word of God. I had a friend who's gone to be with the Lord now, but he had a, a cell group in a different church. And he said to me, you know, Joe, I'm not a really good teacher. I, I'm not a good t Bible teacher. I'm not even um, a great leader. And they asked me to lead this group of people. So I figured the best thing to do is to get them to come to my house, give them some food and play music. So his cell group started this way, and the church came out of it. But his cell group started with people coming to his house after work, being really tired. So he would put some kind of instrumental music on, give them some food, and then through it they'll talk. And sometimes they won't even talk. They'll just, some will just sleep in the cell meeting. But through that, a bond formed, and out of it a church was birthed. So it does not depend on great Bible knowledge. Neither does it depend on tremendous leadership experience. Again, I have seen people who appear to be great leaders when it comes to leading small groups fail miserably. Because there's a certain dynamic that you require that sometimes your so-called great leadership experience lacks. Fourth, it does not depend on dynamic charisma and personality. Uh, sometimes that can even be counterproductive because people think, oh, come off it. You're just full of yourself. We're not coming back here. And it does not depend, again, on powerful spiritual gifts or powerful spiritual capabilities. In other words, being able to pray long, being able to teach the word of God very well, being able to move in powerful supernatural words of knowledge. Now, all these things help. They can help you. Your Bible knowledge can help you. Your natural abilities can help you. Your experience and leadership can help you. Your personality can help you, yeah. But these are not what will make you an effective leader. So what does it depend on? Number one, somebody mentioned it, a willingness to serve others. A willingness to serve others. You probably heard it said that people do not want, in fact, I'll put it like this. Your authority over people comes when you exhibit responsibility for them. People are willing to hear what you have to say when they know that you have their back. So a willingness to serve is key. You are, you, in your heart, you must be willing. So if you lead a cell group, for instance, because Pastor Joseph told you to, <laughs> therefore we must well do it, you may struggle in leading that group because 
the, the, the fundamental motivation is from somebody else. It's not internal. In 2 Corinthians 8.3, Paul talking about the Macedonian believers, he said, I bear witness to them that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. They were freely willing to give. Now, this was a very poor church, and uh, they found that there was a need somewhere in Jerusalem. And so they said, they implored Paul and Titus, let us give, let us help. But this was a poor church, and they were like, whoa, guys, come on, you don't have anything. They said, no, 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 no. We really want to give. And this attitude of willingness to serve is key. Secondly, if you want to be an effective cell leader, it must be because you are seeking to worship God. It's as part of your expression of worship. Worship is really giving God his worth. It's not singing songs. It's not music. You know, you, a lot of times we call these things worship time. It's, sometimes it's entertainment time, more like. It's not nothing to do with God. It's more about us, you know. Um, but worship has to do with giving God his worth. So if I'm going to lead a cell group, it must be because I'm seeking to honor God. I'm seeking to give God his worth through my service. Thirdly, it's about availability. If you want to be effective, you must be available. And I think somebody touched on it. I think Tanwa touched on your uh, being able to do things within your capability. In 2 Corinthians 8, 12, again, concerned the Macedonians. He said for, he was talking about giving and so forth, but then he says something. He says, for if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. In other words, you can only give out of what you already have. So when it comes to leading a cell group, it must be because you are available to do it. Now, the, the, the challenge is at times we call ourselves unavailable when it's not unavailability, it's unwillingness. And at times we are available, but we are not able. We are willing per se, but we're not able. That's what I'm trying to say. So availability deals with the fact that I'm not only willing, but I am able, I am available to give it the time and the space it needs, it requires. Because definitely, to lead a small group of people effectively, you need to give it time. And you need to create the space in your life. I have discovered, again, about time and space. It's so relative. You know, when I was younger, I thought I was very busy. Before I had children, before I was married, uh, had children as a single person, enjoying his single life, really loved it. I'm not saying I miss it, you know, because I can't say that because we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought I was really busy. When I got married, I thought I was really busy. When I had children, I thought I was really busy. But I discovered this. Your busyness is dependent on your willingness to give things time and space. But I'm doing far more now with my time, with all my domestic commitments, and I have been fully involved in my children's life. I'm fully involved, but I'm more busy now than I ever was, but I'm doing a lot more now than I ever did. 
And so I look back at the wasted time of my youth, and I regret it. I look back and I realize, man, I have wasted a lot of time. I had so much time on my hands. You know, you know I was talking with my wife, with Aish the other day, yesterday actually, and she asked me, so how many books are you working on? And I said, oh, honestly, about eight. And she said, are you just showing off? It's okay, tell me the book. So I started to go through it, and it was about 12, right? That's my side hobby. I play computer games. I still do. That is my side hobby, right? And with all the other commitments, and I lead my little small group, and they, you know, I try to lead them. Um, but I've realized that if you are willing to create the time and space for something, then you will invest in it. But it has to do with your willingness to be available. It's so important. Number four, a teachable spirit. Proverbs 29, 1. He says, he who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Being teachable is crucial to being effective as a leader, whether as a cell leader or any kind, because you have to be willing to learn from your mistakes. You have to be willing to take responsibility for your actions. You have to be willing to apologize when you get it wrong. Um, at times, those who work with me will tell you, I'll, I'll, I get it wrong. I get it wrong a lot, actually. And when I get it wrong, as soon as I realize I get it wrong, no matter how stupid I look, they will tell you, I'll give them a call and say, you know what, what I said there was, was rubbish. Because you have to be teachable if you want to develop as a leader. And it begins by being willing to take responsibility when you get it wrong. That's what being teachable is about. You are willing to take responsibility when you get it wrong. Also, being teachable means you recognize your limits and you receive instructions. You receive instructions. You're willing to take instructions. Because, again, no matter how busy you are, no matter how much experience you think you have, there will be somebody in your group who will see something you don't see. There will be somebody in your group or somebody that you're working with who will have an angle that you need. I have been blessed with tremendously gifted and talented and wise people all around me. People who are far superior in certain areas than I could possibly dream of. And so when I am working with them, they will tell you. I ask them, I submit to their authority. They will tell you. I ask them, what do you require of me? Tell me what you think I should do. Blah, blah, blah. Because I recognize that I don't know what they know. And as a leader, if you're going to lead a cell group, don't think you have the answers. At times, um, I've seen leaders who, like they're leading churches, and some of the churches will do really well, and some of the churches won't do so well. And some of the leaders, when the churches is doing well, people will ask them, well, what is it that you did? And they'll say, I listened to what I was told, and I did it, and it worked. And I have discovered that if you learn to be teachable, you will go far. Number five, being an effective leader means you're going to be accountable to church leadership. Very crucial. Accountability to church leadership is crucial. 
Because it is recognizing authority. The authority of the local church that you're a part of. So if you're part of a local church, and all of you should be part of a local church, because not all of you here are from CLF, you need to be accountable to church leadership. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of your conduct. You cannot obey this verse unless you are in submission to somebody. He says, who rule over you, who spoke the word of God to you. It means you have to be under somebody's authority. In verse 17 of the same chapter, he says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, I know that at times people use church leadership as some kind of excuse to behave um, in, a, in a very bad manner, to dominate people, to manipulate people, and so forth. So you have to make your own judgments concerning the leadership that you're a part of. And I think if you are convinced of that, you should find another leadership, in my view, that you believe is following Christ's way, even though you will never get a perfect leader. But the point of accountability to church leadership is this. You are willing to work within the criteria of your local church. You're willing to stay within the framework of what it means to lead a cell group in your local church. Some churches have leadership criteria. Some don't. Some have job descriptions. Some don't. But in our case, we have a criteria of what we expect. And I think it's there in your notes as well. Um, one of the biggest criteria is that they must be a member in good standing. And what it means is they shouldn't be under some kind of spiritual discipline. Uh, you say, what does that mean? Well, if you don't know what it means, it means you're not under it. <laughs> uh, but really, accountability to church leadership is important because it means you're under authority and God recognizes authority. Number six. Being an effective cell leader means you have a heart for people. Most of you touched on that. A heart for people. Romans 15.1. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. You see, like I said earlier on, there's always going to be somebody who you are ahead of in the faith. No matter, no matter your struggle. No matter the area of vulnerability. Even if you're under church discipline there will still be people who will need your experience. Because in a church, you have people at different levels. I have the privilege of being a pastor for so many years, and I can tell you, sometimes I laugh when, I, when, when people who think they've done such a bad thing, say, what did you do? What did you do? And they say, oh, pastor, you wouldn't believe it, you know. I swore. And, uh, you know, I have to keep a straight face because, first of all, I would believe it. I believe you'd swear. So, I'm, But I can't say that. Oh, I believe you did. Um, I asked, what, how? I said, well, this guy slapped me. And I said, don't do that. And then he slapped me again. And then I said, F, don't do that. And I feel really bad. And then he tried to slap me and I restrained him, you know. I had to restrain him. And I feel really bad and I think, God bless you, mate. Because if it was me, I'd have beaten them up. But, but anyway. <laughs> so people are at different levels. And because people are at different levels, 
somebody's always going to need what you have. That I am convinced of. And sometimes even the people you think are so strong, you don't know what they're going through. You don't. So you having a heart for people is such an important requirement. In other words, you want to help those who are less fortunate than you in the faith. You want to come alongside new believers to find their way. You want to impart to struggling believers what has helped you as a child of God. And you want to encourage those who need encouragement. And then you want to love people unconditionally. This is what is involved in caring for people. And then finally, not only do you have a heart for people, you are able to care for people. So you have a heart for people, but you are then able to be there for the people, to come alongside them. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So when you look at these things that I'm sharing with you, I wonder how, many, how much of those you think is beyond your reach. I want to conclude this session by pointing out, in my opinion, what makes a successful cell leader. So I'm going to give you 10 things, and you can write them down. Again, I didn't give this to you deliberately because of the activity. The first thing is they represent the Lord. And for me, success is simply this. I am honoring God in my giving context. That's it. It's not about the results from my perspective. I remember we had one cell one time in our history. Within a short space of time, it went from about three to five to 40, 40. It appeared really successful. But today, I think almost none of those people are in our church. It was a disaster. It wasn't a success at all. My cell, that eventually, out of which CLF came, went down to me and a visitor. Me and a visitor. I remember looking at the visitor. His name was Christopher. And he looked at me, and I looked at him. And he just thought, what am I doing? He never came back after that. <laughs> but it was from that cell group that I discovered what I was supposed to do eventually to plant the church and the churches. Yeah. So, first thing is they represent the Lord. They seek to represent the Lord. Secondly, they represent the local church they are part of. I am so convinced about the local church. It is those who are planted in the house of the Lord who flourish in the courts of our God. Because of my experience, I've been a member of only two churches in my entire 34 years walking with the Lord. My first church, which I was a part of, my local church, had many issues. Doctrinally, we were a bit heretical, actually. It was heretical. and They believed things that are unscriptural. Um, some of our senior leaders were a bit weird. They did things that were very bad. I'm not talking about gossip. This is fact. Um, there were members who, I mean, it was not a big deal for a leader not to be talking to somebody. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, if I ever discovered that's going on in our ministry, it doesn't matter who the leader is, you know that we will deal with that. You, we don't have that luxury. I mean, there were all kinds of things. But in that church, I grew. Not only I, several others grew 
and we grew healthily in that environment. So I have discovered that it is not per se how great your local church is that determines whether you will grow. It is whether you are willing to represent the local church that you're a part of as a child of God. Thirdly, what makes a successful leader? They are focused on the cell. They are focused on the cell group. Focus is so crucial. At times, you have some cell leaders who the cell leadership is one of several hats they're wearing. Now, you can't look at my 34 years and measure that with you after three years walking with the Lord and think you can do it the way I do it. You cannot. It is ridiculous. It's like my five-year-old trying to run like my, I won't say like me because he, I think he will overtake me, but like my, my, my 17-year-old. It, it, it is ridiculous. You, the two can't compare. However, focus is crucial. You see, I'm focused on one thing. It's one thing I'm focused on, but that one thing has several ways of expression. But you must learn to focus on one thing. And leading a cell group, if you do it properly, it will so enhance the other areas of your life. But you must focus. Number four, a successful cell leader prepares well for cell meetings. Cell meetings are very important for a cell group. Now, a cell group is not cell meetings. Again, this is a common mistake most people make, most cell leaders make. They just live for the meeting and not for the cell group itself. But your meeting is very important. It is the pivotal point of your group dynamic. So you must prepare well for your meetings. We'll touch on that maybe later on. You must prepare well for your meetings. And at times, I see how people prepare. You may say, how do you know? Because I can tell. You know, you wait till like an hour before the meeting, and then you're combing the scriptures to see if you can teach a word. That's a joke. That is not going to do it. Listen, you must learn to anticipate your meetings and prepare. So that the day of the meeting is when you're just sharpening your spirit, not preparing your notes. Now, all of us who taught a long time will tell you, we've all done the five-minute-to-go note preparation. I've done it loads of times. But you must train yourself to prepare for your meetings. And your meeting is not just the teaching. It's the whole meeting. The whole meeting. You know, from beginning till end. And we'll look at that later on. So prepare for your, they prepare well for their meetings. Quickly, and then we'll pause. They continuously recruit new members to the cell. They continuously recruit new members. You see, at times, cell leaders, once they have about seven or eight, they're satisfied. And they stop there because, after all, the cell has grown. That's such a mistake because, let me tell you something. Because it's a living organism, cell group is an organism, it will also uh, shed off dead cells. And so what, uh, please forgive me, I'm not trying to be um, disrespectful to anyone, but this is a, a, a proven fact that churches in London, for instance, for them to maintain their size, the study is they have to be growing 20% 
every year just to maintain the same size year in year out. I've looked at CLF and I've looked at our churches over the years and this dynamic is true. Because what tends to happen is over a period of a year, you will lose about 20% of the people. Just like your body sheds off cells. So the group, people, things change. People move on. People um, may, may, may change jobs. People may move churches. Um, people may go and study and all of that. Now, if you're just relying on your faithful seven, after within three, four years, it'll be you and a visitor if you're not careful. So you must continuously recruit new members. Six, they follow up on their members and on their visitors. They follow up on their members and their visitors. I used to have a cell in Charlton. I worked in um, Holborn, Russell Square, Holborn area. And I would finish my work and go and pick up someone in Old Street and then pick up somebody else in Lambeth Road and bring them to Charlton. And then when we finished, and I live, by the way, in Stockwell. And then when we finished, I will make sure they're back, they get home. Oh, I had a full-time job. It wasn't in the ministry like you may think. I had a full-time job, which started at 9, not 11. So, <laughs> and that's what I did. See, <laughs> you see, the point is, is this. You have to follow up on your members. And you have to follow up on your visitors. And part of following up, sometimes you have to go. If you're serious, go and lead them to the cell group. It surprises me how at times people think because they gave an invitation, people are going to come. And because people say we'll come, it means they'll come. I mean, seriously, you think everybody's like you? No. No. Most people are not like you. So you relying on your invitation alone is not going to work. If you are serious about yourself growing and developing, you have to follow up on people. Seven, they have a healthy prayer life. A healthy prayer life. Eight, they pray regularly for the cell. Now let me pause there. I had a cell group and my cell group was in Stockwell at that time and we were about eight to 12. And... Um, our cell was stagnating, so I said to the assistant, look, I want us to be praying for the cell um, over time. And he was like, oh, Joe. I said, okay, fine, don't worry. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray for this cell once a week for two minutes. Once a week for two minutes on a Saturday. Can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. What was I looking for? The power of agreement. Because I know... There is more power in agreeing with someone for two minutes than trying to get them to agree for one hour every day. There's more power in that. So that's what we did. That was our prayer cover for our church. Now, I had my own personal prayer life, which was whatever it was, but me and my assistant, every week on a Saturday, we agreed for two minutes for our cell to grow in prayer. And our cell picked up. And flourished and start when our my old church we used to do sell of the month award and it used to be embarrassing because we were winning it every single time it was so embarrassing I hated it and I mean I actually didn't like it because it was like no contest every month we were winning and when I left the cell in his hands it continued to do well today this guy is a senior 
pastor in his church, in the church that we left. He's a senior associate pastor. What I'm saying to you is praying for yourself. You don't have to be a praying machine that prays for three hours to pray for yourself. Just focus, even if it's one minute every day and you're committed to that, Lord, I bring this cell group before you. I ask you to bless your people. Bless Jenny, bless Jackie, bless John, bless James. Whilst yeah, I remember Pastor Joseph in Jesus' name. <laughs> yeah, that will really help yourself, by the way. <laughs> and then number nine, if you want to be a successful cell leader, you must care for the cell members. We've touched on that already. Care for the cell members. Care for the cell members. You have to care. Let them know you care. And finally, monitor the life of the cell using cell reports. This is one of the reasons why many of your cells stagnate and eventually don't do well. Because you are not monitoring the life of your cell. And we'll touch on this. So, let's pause. Any questions, please? Yes, yes Karim. Okay, so we, I touched on this earlier on um, about how you, you care for people. Like you, you come alongside, you encourage them, you, you, um, you love them, you find out those who are struggling and you try and help them in their struggle. What I used to do as a cell leader, um, I would look out for my members. Um, my, my, always my primary concern is spiritual. Um, that's my area of strength. I have others whose their area of strength is social. They, would, they like the social stuff. They'll come and do your garden for you. and all that. Me, I'm not going to do your garden for you. I'm just being honest. That ain't going to happen. I don't even do my own garden, so I ain't going to do anyone's garden. But I am going to help you the way I can help you. So I'm, I'm going to care for you the way I can care for you. So I can pray for you. I can encourage you. I can help you to come to church. I can give you money if I have money um, and you need money. I will not just give you money because you ask me. Again, I have, I have some strange principles. For instance, I used to have um, some guys who lived with me. They lived with me for a while. They'd come, they come and, came and stayed with me for a while as part of my caring for people. And one day I said to them, guys, on this date, you need to leave. This is part of caring. So he said, no problem. I said, I gave him about a month or two months notice. So as time was going on, I said, you need to leave. So when the date came, I chucked them out. They said, can we have extension? There is no extension. My caring has ended. They end up having their own flats and all of that because of it. So what I'm trying to say is you care for people within your capability. But they knew it's because I cared. Care for people within your capability. Yeah. Quickly, any other questions? Yes, Anna. Follow up, yeah. Right. So here's the thing about follow up. When I had a cell group, I always, especially not the one I have now because they're all leaders, but the ones that I used to have, I would always follow up on the people, but I never allowed the group to think that. I would say, okay, you follow up this one, you follow up that one, you follow up this one, you follow up that one. I would do that, but I would never leave it to them. I will also follow them up. So when I also follow them up, and then I came and said, okay, let's talk about follow up. Who followed up who? 
When I start hearing stories, yeah, I follow them. I say, okay, so did you follow up Jimmy? Yeah, 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 he's all right. So when did you follow up? Oh, I called him. So did he tell you about this? Uh, no. When exactly? And, and, I, and I would discover that if I rely simply because I, I dish out follow-up, nobody's going to be followed up properly. They may, you may get one or two. And this, again, is a big mistake many leaders do. They say, okay, you look after this one, you look after that one, and then they fold their hands on their ivory tower and, to make sure it's all happening. No, 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 no. Part of pastoring people is to ensure that they learn how to do it well. So initially, when I, um, I'm following up people, yes, I'll get the group involved, but I will make sure I'm following up those people as well. Remember, we're not talking about 50 people here. We're talking about seven or eight people. How long does it take to follow up seven or eight or even 15 people? It doesn't take that long. A lot of these things is in the head, is in our minds. And I, I learned a trick very early not to allow myself to indulge in laziness and, and call it something else. So I would tell myself, now, Joe, you're being lazy. Come on, man. You need to look after your people. You understand? Yeah. All right. We're going to pause.